How can Spanish-speaking and English-speaking Christians sing together in a way that expresses the beauty of both the diversity and unity of the church? Maria Corneau is an associate director and program manager for the Calvin Institute of Christian Worship in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and an editor for the recently published bilingual English-Spanish hymnal, Santo, 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 Holy, Holy, Holy. In this episode, I talk with Maria about engaging diversity within a congregation and how the bilingual hymnal can be a bridge to express unity. You're listening to The Distillery at Princeton Theological Seminary. Maria, thank you for joining me today. You're on campus teaching a class. It's my pleasure. In your work with the Calvin Institute of Christian Worship, you all have recently worked on and now published a bilingual Spanish-English hymnal called Santo, 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 Holy, Holy, Holy. Can you tell me about your role in that project and a little bit about the process? I've uh, served as one of the editors for the for the hymnal uh, with my colleague from Calvin, uh, Rebecca Snippe. We have been involved in this project for the last five years. Mm. It was a big project. Yeah. It was interesting how it started mm-hmm. because it started um, as supposedly a six-month project. Oh, my gosh. And then it took us near five years. And, and, and I can share later with you um, some of the challenges and, and also the joys of, of working in a project like this. So we have been at the Worship Institute uh, working um, with resource development in uh, languages other than English. And um, so a couple of years ago, this person from uh, the publishing house that published this resource uh, came to us with a a hymnal that was already bilingual and was produced for the Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. Oramos cantando, we pray in song. And as um, GIA knew that we were involved in uh, developing resources in other languages, they offered us to explore, to consider the possibility of doing a Protestant. They proposed us to um, produce a Protestant echo to that uh, Catholic hymnal. Um, a little bit of, well, let's cut what is too Catholic, things that could hurt sensibilities, especially in uh, Latin American uh, Protestants, evangelicals, and and that's all. Mm-hmm. And then as we uh, started moving into that direction, we realized that we wanted to do something different, to include other voices, other traditions, mm-hmm. and we started changing the project in a okay. way that became... This massive project uh, okay. that, that took us through um, years of work mm-hmm. uh, involving many uh, consultants and, uh, mm-hmm. and worshiping communities to be able to be as hospitable as possible to uh, the Protestant um, world. Why bilingual worship when so many often worship separately, you know, to, to in order to understand and express one's faith in their original or primary language? We have realized that also language could be a barrier Mm -hmm. uh, that separates communities and even separates families. Mm -hmm. We have the first, second, second and third generation issue, for instance, Mm -hmm. from the Spanish-speaking side, where the children or grandchildren already speak English as Mm -hmm. their first language. And this is a way of keeping families together. Mm -hmm. This is a way of bringing communities together together that live in the same neighborhood or very close by Mm -hmm. and are really separated by language. Uh, In times where bringing uh, people together and working on reconciliation, I think is key Mm -hmm. for uh, the Christian community, but also for the country. 
um, numbers show that there are near 60 million Latinx or Hispanic mm -hmm. uh, people in this country. 41 of them speak Spanish at home. So um, it is important to make this connection and to these connections and, and, and to help communities to worship together. Mm -hmm. Sometimes in, in a more uh, weekly frequency, sometimes it could be once a month, once mm -hmm. a year, but having uh, spaces where worshiping communities that um, have different first languages can come together as a sign of unity, mm -hmm. reconciliation, hospitality, mutuality, mm -hmm. um, makes a lot of sense. Theological support is there for bilingual worship. Where do you see it in scripture and what does it tell us about God? I love this idea of um, thinking that the church was born in a multilingual event mm -hmm. in Pentecost mm -hmm. and that the future, in Re according to Revelation, will look like a feast of mm -hmm. people from every tribe, language, and nation. Mm -hmm. So somehow when you worship bilingually or uh, in multilingual way, um, you reenact the past and you rehearse for the future. Mm -hmm. So it's it's I think it's part of um, theologically the the incarnation model. Okay. And uh, God incarnated in Jesus Christ in a language, mm -hmm. and we try to incarnate also the gospel in different languages as we are all part of the same uh, human family. Yeah. Today in the class you talked a little bit, you used food as an analogy to explain this. I like this idea of um, worship as food, worship as a place where we are nurtured, mm -hmm. but also where we ex have experience mm -hmm. together when we can. Uh, meals are also a way of uh, bringing people together. Mm -hmm. uh, the table is a big topic in Jesus' life in the gospel. And so, and of course, we have communion, a celebration mm -hmm. around the table. So food is part, uh, is, is already a metaphor that is in the scripture that mm -hmm. can help us um, to think in worship as something that we experience, we enjoy with uh, all our senses, but also that is, a nurture, is nurturing us. Mm -hmm. And in this sense, there is no normal food. Yeah. Of course, there is food we are more used to, but there are other tastes, other food. Now we uh, we talk about ethnic food, mm -hmm. but people are trying different flavors, different um, um, ingredients, and are able to incorporate things that are not naturally from their own culture, mm -hmm. but people learn to enjoy and to see the benefits for their health, for their mm -hmm. nutrition. And in some ways, we are used to a certain way of worship, mm -hmm. but we can also experience other ways of worship and find things that we like, mm -hmm. find things that nurtures us in a better way um, mm -hmm. if we consider what we are used to. So there is beneficial in many senses. Yeah. And we can find delight and beauty in trying something new. Yes, and a challenge too. There and are a flavors, yes. There are flavors we are not so used to. That's right. That's maybe the t and maybe the first time you taste it, it's a little surprising. We don't like it so much, but after a little bit, we might get used to it. 
I've also heard you talk a little bit about how bilingual does not necessarily mean bicultural. Can you talk about the importance of that understanding when it comes to gathering people for worship? Yes, and um, this considering especially the Spanish-speaking community, um, that some sometimes people address as Hispanic, Latinx. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, we represent many different countries, many different traditions. We even speak the language with different accents, different modisms. Mm-hmm. Um, so whenever, in most cases in, in the U.S., you uh, if you visit a congregation that is, uh, speaks Spanish, you will find people from 12, 14, mm-hmm. 15 different nationalities, mm-hmm. and each one has uh, mm-hmm. its own culture. This, it's um, In some ways, it's like uh, you can have people coming... Um, as immigrants to the U.S. from a Caribbean island mm-hmm. where English is their main language. And it doesn't mean that because they speak English, yes, right. they uh, understand the, the English that's culture right. in the U.S. And even in the U.S., the it, East Coast, the West Coast, right. the South. The I, I Texas the, culture, California culture, New Jersey culture. Yeah. I live in the Midwest and it's very, that's oh, right. the North of the South in the middle of the Midwest yeah. and the cultures are different. But in particular, uh, talking about the Spanish-speaking uh, uh, community, there are many um, different cultures, even mm-hmm. when there is a sort of common language. Yeah. And it's important to see that when you find a Spanish-speaking congregation, it could be monolingual, mm-hmm. but in most cases it, it will be multicultural. multicultural. When you have led or engaged people in bilingual worship, what kind of responses have you heard from people? People who loved it were willing to find places of bilingual worship for the reasons I, I've shared before, mm-hmm. because they, the family can come together mm-hmm. or they can bring, friend, bring friends or because they are uh, committed to particular um, uh, immigrant communities. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes churches start working with the surrounding community mm-hmm. and then they want to invite these people to a worship service. And uh, so now if they start experiencing bilingual worship, they can invite yes. friends and people from the surrounding community. And we find the opposite reaction. People mm-hmm. who say, this is confusing, this is mm-hmm. boring, uh, it's a lot of work. Uh, so uh, in, in general, reactions are or very positive or mm-hmm. like rejecting it. It's, it's hard to be in between. What are some of the reasons that people give for not liking it? Does it become a barrier for them in some way? or Sometimes it's a um, matter of understanding. Mm-hmm. Some people uh, complain um, about authenticity. Mm-hmm. For them, it is very important to understand everything that's going on in worship. Mm. So somehow uh, singing words they do not understand um, makes no, no sense. So they feel um, inauthentic in singing words they yes. don't understand. Some others are afraid of some sort of cultural appropriation. Mm-hmm. Some other people um, believe that they need to be nurtured in a way that uh, the other language cannot do it. This mm-hmm. is the way they experience it, mm-hmm. that it doesn't touch their hearts in the same way their own language Okay. Does so yes, there are there are concerns and that are worth to to listen to and to pay attention yeah. to. How did the um, hymnal team committee and the hymnal itself now? How did it wrestle with those questions with 
with those questions, and um, then I want to get to the questions of translation. One of the things that was important for us and was part of the spirit of this project is that in order to have two um, different language communities mm-hmm. coming together, um, is to have something in common. Mm-hmm. And having one book, mm-hmm. and not your book, my mm-hmm. book, uh, so one Mm-hmm. symbolic resource, yeah. physical and symbolic resource that we are one community worshiping together, no matter that we speak as first language, a different language mm-hmm. from each other. So this one was one of the the main goals on having this this kind of resource. And um, and in addition to that, um, uh, we, we worked um, in a very collaborative way including as many people as possible. Mm-hmm. So we worked through surveys, uh, mm-hmm. consultants, uh, trying to bring many different voices in terms of all kind of diversity that this hymnal represents. Mm-hmm. One is, of course, the English and Spanish, but we mm-hmm. have global songs too. Mm-hmm. Um, other is the denominational or Christian tradition mm-hmm. diversity, mm-hmm. how to include, include different flavors, yeah. Uh, in in terms of songs uh, about um, communion, baptism, yeah. uh, that represents and could serve different understandings, mm-hmm. uh, different theological perspectives. And then, of course, the multiculturality, especially from the English-speaking, uh, from the Spanish-speaking uh, community. So we wanted to have songs uh, from the Caribbean. Mm-hmm. We wanted to have songs from Central America, from Mexico, from South America. Yeah. And most countries represent it. Uh, with their own music. So um, in order to have all this diversity included here, and mm-hmm. of course diversity in terms of the English-speaking songs and, and, and streams of songs mm-hmm. too, uh, we worked in with consultants, with a large group of people. Uh, that's why this uh, project was so massive. I mean, yeah. Really, we, we involved a lot of people, a lot of voices. What was the... Um translation process like in because there's not always an exact word you know I know I grew up in a house where my mom and my grandmother spoke German and they would tell a story and then they'd laugh (laughs) and we would say what did you say and what was so funny and they would say "Eh, it doesn't translate very well right so Mm -hmm. I mean that has to do with humor but um, the same could be true I think for theology and, and music so how what even examples of some of those struggles and what that was like first not all the songs are translated. So this hymnal has um, some songs that have been originally composed bilingually. And mm-hmm. I think this is some of the beauties of this yeah. uh, resource, is shaping other forms okay. of worshipping. So uh, most of the, the, the majority of the songs have been tra- composed in one language and translated mm-hmm. into other, but there are songs that have been uh, intentionally um, composed bilingual, to okay. work bilingual. Um, with translation, we have worked with a, a team of ex- expert translators mm-hmm. because translation is not easy. Spanish requires, in general, more syllables. Mm-hmm. Um, that has gender issues, and we wanted to be uh, in- to use inclusive language as much as we could. So, with new translations, we could uh, follow some standards mm-hmm. in terms of um, inclusion if, if it's transla- translated uh, from English uh, into Spanish uh, to consider the syllabic accents need mm-hmm. to work music-wise. Yeah, that's right. The rhyme also. Com- mm-hmm. It's a complicated. Mm-hmm. And also translation needs to be poetic and uh, you cannot translate literally. You yeah. need to translate in a way that you re- yeah. rewrite 
the yeah. lyrics somehow. So yeah. we work really with a very good professional team of people. Um, the challenges translating from Spanish into English are the opposite. Sometimes mm-hmm. in, in the English you need to field to fill notes yeah. and add some words and how to keep the main meanings, mm-hmm. be faithful to the original composer, but also make something beauty mm-hmm. uh, with beauty uh, poetically that poetically works mm-hmm. and that respects all the flows of the music. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, translation yeah. is very is very challenging. And we have uh, made decisions in terms of keeping translations that sometimes are not are far from perfect. If mm-hmm. you have because this resource have every line yes. in parallel, which yeah. makes more obvious is the translation yeah. is not very close to the original text. But when songs are beloved by worshiping communities, like like classic hymns, mm-hmm. uh, we have not made edits. Okay. In general, yeah, here and there, but we have tried to um, respect yeah. this affective closeness to yeah. certain texts. For the congregation and its leaders who are feeling a nudge, a call to address, you know, bilingual um, Spanish-English communities um, that they're serving, um, what would be some ways that they could take some first few steps, you know, knowing that they'll probably have some people who love it and some people who might resist at first? You know, what are some helpful sort of tips or first steps you might share with the pastor trying to to make this happen? So I think the first is to to teach the congregation the why we mm-hmm. are doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, people need to understand mm-hmm. uh, because there will be some degree of, of discomfort. Mm-hmm. So it's important to work on the on the fundamentals and why the biblical reasons we can explore together some text, mm-hmm. uh, talk about also the mission of the church, uh, how um, how to embrace the community and, mm-hmm. and, and discuss the, the whys and, and work on that. And on the practical side, I think uh, it's important um, to include minority people in the in leadership teams. Mm-hmm. Um, the better way to be authentic is as much as we can to invite people from different cultures to lead. Mm-hmm. If they cannot lead in song, at least in prayer or sharing mm-hmm. stories. So in a way that these other cultures are not only represented in the songs, but also through real people mm-hmm. in leadership. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say that you can uh, start slowly. You don't need from one Sunday yes. to the other to That's do right. everything bilingual. Start with a short song. Uh, or a short refrain is like baby steps, so you are creating familiarity mm-hmm. and make it easier. Yeah, for be- people. become familiar t- to the yes. sounds. What can be done for the person who's afraid to try because they don't want to get it wrong or they don't want to offend by pronouncing something the wrong way? I think that's a real thing for some people, and it's true and it's valid. I think. Um, we can rehearse a little bit mm-hmm. before starting mm-hmm. the worship service. Mm-hmm. Um, go through the the short refrain or the song and teach and play. Practice with the makes people. perfect, yeah. right? Yeah. Yes, yeah, that's right. Uh, but then again, if we go to the why we are doing this, the most important thing is not to do it perfect, mm-hmm. but to be hospitable, yeah. to be welcoming. To build these bridges. Yeah. Make a joyful noise is what it says, right? Yes. Yeah. Not, not a joyful perfection, a joyful noise. What has been your greatest joy in this, in this project? 
throughout the project, uh, the learning, meeting mm-hmm. so many interesting people, yeah. uh, connecting to so many different worshiping communities through this project has been really mm-hmm. a joy to um, listen to the stories of composers, mm-hmm. why these songs um, were written. Um, and after the resource was, uh, has been published, that is, has been published recently, uh, last summer, it's been um, people telling us, oh, we have been looking for this kind of resource for so yeah. many years and now we have this. Now we have it. Uh, so um, these congregations that have been trying hard mm-hmm. to do bilingual worship and didn't count mm-hmm. with a resource like this one. Yeah. So serving people, is, that is our main joy. That's great. Last question. Can you um, talk a little bit more about um, how the the hymnal itself and how bilingual worship is an expression of unity and diversity? Uh, yes, I, I was saying that this is like a tangible way of saying we are one community. Mm-hmm. As soon as you open the, the book, it's mm-hmm. one book. That's right. You see the diversity. Mm-hmm. You see different languages. You see different uh, composers. You look at the bottom of the page and you see that we have songs from the Re- Reformation times. We have mm-hmm. songs from 19th century. We have songs composed last year. That's right. So it's, uh, it's diversity in all senses, yeah. in traditions, in times yeah. throughout church history yeah. and um, in different cultures. The rhythms will tell you. Yeah, that's uh, right. Now we are in the Caribbean. Now that's we, right. Yeah. So it's, uh, it, you have all this diversity and then you have only one book. It's uh, that's right. very symbolic. Anything you want to make sure you would want to say to the pastor trying to implement this? Uh, I, would, I would encourage you mm-hmm. because I think it's worth it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are... Um, witnessing and embracing and embodying church unity. Mm-hmm. We are proclaiming the world that we are a hospitable community that wants to embrace everyone and that you are welcome here, that we belong to each other. So uh, it's it's challenging. It takes work. Mm-hmm. It's hard work, mm-hmm. uh, but it's, it's worth it. Great. Thank you, Maria. Thank you. You've been listening to The Distillery at Princeton Theological Seminary. Interviews are conducted by me, Dale Rounds. And me, Sherry Osting. Our producer is Nee Otto Abrams, and our assistant producer is Amara Peterman. The Distillery is part of The Thread, an online platform with resources on culture, spiritual formation, and leadership. To find out more, visit thethread.ptsem.edu. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or Stitcher. And while you're at it, leave us a review and let us know how we're doing. Until next time, thanks for listening.